0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, what a joy to um, have an opportunity to spend some time together today. I'm Carmen LeBurge listening to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, my friend. How does your garden grow? How does your garden grow? Uh, Yeah, those of you that are, I don't know what to call it other than bragging. Um, Yeah, you have these, you're bragging, your rhubarb, your rhubarb grows. And I am... Yes, I have some jealousy in my heart in relationship to how your garden grows. Um, I have Swiss chard, which kind of looks like rhubarb, but yeah, not the same thing. All right. Um, yes, I have a bumper crop right now of zucchini and yellow squash because in the last five days, when I've been uh, with uh, with our friend Dave Buring from Lion Share and a number of uh, a number of folks from across the country and around the world um, talking about discipleship and vocation and mentoring, um, nobody picked the zucchini in my garden. And so, uh, yeah. So last night for dinner, uh, yeah, we had some interesting, tasty, diverse zucchini things and some of them were better than others. So how does your garden grow today? Do you feel today, do you feel like a well watered garden today? I mean, do you, do you feel Like in the reality of your being, do you feel like an ever-flowing spring? Let's get into the Word of God. Let's let the Word of God get into us, that as we get out there into the world that God so loves, we might do so in ways that honor Jesus. Our growing your faith verse of the day comes from Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11. The Lord will guide you continually. The Lord will give you water when you are dry. The Lord will restore your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Friend, this morning, if you don't feel like a well-watered garden, if you don't feel like an ever-flowing spring, let me invite you to uh, go to the one who is the very wellspring of life, uh, the one who is the spring I mean the people of Israel actually cried out to God, Spring up, O oh well. Numbers twenty one, verse seventeen, spring up, O oh well. They they desired this well of life to spring up in them and ultimately through them. We remember Jesus and the woman at the well in John chapter four. If you haven't read that recently, like go to the love well. Go to the love well. Go to the one who is the living water. If you would come to me. You would have living water, Jesus says. You want some of that today? Go to him. Make a daily trip to the love well in order that you might love well today and know that you are well loved. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Faith Radio. Oh, yes. Thank you for those of you, uh, on the text line this morning. I, I do need some zucchini ideas and some zucchini recipes. So yes, thank you so much. As, um, Paul Perot, faithful, faithful friend and colleague here, producer of this program. We're so glad you're back. We're glad you had a little time away. What was the highlight? Highlight,
1: um, you know, I just, the beauty of the North Shore, If you, I, it's, I saw an article that said that the North Shore is one of the places of, you know, North Shore of Lake Superior in Minnesota, one of the uh, uh, most underrated places you can go in America. And I I I was I always had a high rating for it. I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And by the way, Rustic Inn Pies are the bomb. Awesome.
0: Rust, Rustic, Rustic Inn Inn Pies. Rustic Pies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: In, near two
0: harbors. mm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, you know, some, when you say North Shore, some people think Hawaii.
1: I'm just oh, saying. Yeah, I know, like, but no, 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 like, Lake Superior. It's it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous.
0: Uh, I love it. Um, we Paul also asked me um, during uh, during our, I mean, very brief time away there. Just it was just seconds away, and Paul said, "How many zucchini hills do you have?" Well, we only have one because Paul. That's all you need to feed an army. It's just all you need. It's just all you need. So. Uh, yeah. So, oh, here we go. Oh. Kim, thank you so much. uh Kim on the text line, 877-933-2484. Zucchini, sweet corn, succotash She's going to send me the recipe tomorrow. There yeah. you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds good. Yeah, because <laughs> I'll be for here. A succotash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here's another friend saying, we went on vacation to the North Shore as well last week it to Grand Marais. Were you guys hanging out? Well, mm-hmm. I wish I'd known because that's my wife and I <laughs> were in Grand Marais for a few days. Yes. Oh, beautiful pictures. Beautiful yes. pictures. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Where are you? What you doing? What's going on? What's in your recipe box for zucchini? Uh, yeah. You can always text me 877-933-2484. Let's, uh, let's, I was going to pop over and see what was in the news, but I think here just briefly, I want to share with you um, something about my experience the last few days and something that I it's not that I've I learned it, but sometimes you need to be reminded of the things that you know, and then you're like, oh, yes, I knew that I knew that, and now that I've been reminded that I know that, I need to do that. hmm I knew that I knew that, but now that I've been reminded that I know that, I need to do that. So what are some things that the Lord has taught you over the course of time, over the years? You've known them. You know Him. So you've known these things you're not currently doing them. Discipleship isn't just about knowing things about God or even knowing God. It is about walking with God in his ways. And so every single one of us, uh, no matter how long we've been on this discipleship journey, no matter how far along we imagine we are on the discipleship journey, there is still a ways to go from here to there because you're not home yet. Mm-mm. You're not home. It's not, you're not all the way to the, If you're listening to me right now, you are not all the way home to the Father's house. There's still a stretch of road, uh, a narrow road between here and there. Still a ways to go. And as you, um, as you go that way, are you going the way? Are you walking in the way of the Lord? Are you walking with God? This is not about knowing about God or even knowing the word of God. This is about walking with God, all the days of our life, all the way home to the father's house. And it's so fun to walk in companionship with one another. This is one of the things that Jim and I, my husband and I um, talk frequently about. It's one of our little, uh, you know, it's one of the things that we can say to one another and we instantly know where we are, where we're going, who we are, what we're talking about It's just one little phrase and it's just, you know, all the way home, all the way home. We, we are in this together all the way home to the Father's house. And in all likelihood, one of us will arrive there before the other. That just tends to be how things work. But we're both headed intentionally in the same direction, and what a joy to get to walk with one another in this season of life um, toward the Father's house. So who are you walking with in discipleship? That's one of my questions this morning. Who are you walking with in discipleship? And that goes you know, that's, that's in a multitude of directions. There are those who we, with whom we are keeping pace over the course of life, step by step, been journeying together for maybe a long period of time as disciples. I think about my friend Jessica, with whom I've been walking in discipleship since we were in high school. Um, I'm with her all the way home, all the way home to the Father's house through every season of life. There's other people who walked with me for a period of time. I was a less mature disciple. They were a more mature disciple. I would I would look back at um at those periods of my life where I got to walk with Howard and Trisha Eddington, or when I got to walk with um Robert and Virginia Morris, like these people who were Kathy and FitzConnor, these people who were more mature than I was in the faith. And and, and they you know, they slowed down, they circled back around, they came to the stretch of road that I was on and they, they walked with me. Who are you doing that for today? You know, who's sort of behind you, like right, coming along on their journey of discipleship? They are now where you were when, and they need you to circle back around and walk with them at the pace of grace. They need you to walk with them as a more mature disciple. Walking with them the stretch of road that they're now on. Yeah, you've been there before. That's the whole point. Who are you circling back around? We like to call it mentorship. We actually like to call it discipleship. But you gotta intentionally, you gotta you gotta not focus on the stretch you're on, and you gotta focus on the stretch they're on. You gotta say, you know what, I I know that stretch of road. I've been there before. I walked that path. Jesus is faithful, God is good. Circle back around and Walk with them while they're walking that stretch of road. This is true um, as we comfort those who need comfort with the comfort with which we 've been comforted. This is one of the testimonies of Paul to the church at corinth like you you you've been comforted and you need to comfort others with the comfort with which you've been comforted that is a that is a circle back around circle back around to that stretch of the valley of the shadow of death that where you found God to be faithful and now you might need to walk side by side in the dark with somebody else until the light shines for them, till the day dawns, till hope becomes clear. Who are you discipling today? Circle back around. There's somebody walking a stretch of road that you have experience with, and it's time to go and walk with them. And then there's the question of discipleship, you know, sort of on the other side, the stretch of road you're on now, the season of life you are in personally, and needing to know um, the comfort, the counsel, the companionship of someone who has walked that stretch before. So this is discipleship in the other direction. Who is discipling you? Who is further along in their discipleship journey? Who are you learning from? Who do you turn to for counsel and wisdom and guidance in the things of the Lord, I love that you and I walk together on the journey of discipleship as brothers and sisters in Christ. I love it. And so thank you for being one of my companions on this portion of my discipleship journey. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be with you. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at myfaithradio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to you know bible verses i don't know there's all kinds of stuff go check it out on your social media connect with us on faith radio social media and you know let's get the word out to others all right back to the show again thanks for listening love connecting with you at myfaithradio.com so who's on your uh, who's on your heart this morning in terms of prayer. For whom do you uh, need to be praying today? Who are you praying for today? Who does God bring to mind um, when you when you say to him, Lord, who (laughs) who needs to be lifted up today? Sometimes those holy nudges, those, you know, God brought you to mind moments are really significant. They're not they're not necessarily significant to you. Because, you know, you're thinking, oh, I don't know, just that, that person came to mind for some random reason. No, the Holy Spirit brought that person to mind. So I was driving the other day, and this person from church, like, came fully into my mind, like, fully into my mind, like, into my mind's eye. And it was unusual. Send, I mean, you know, it's not a person my maybe that I consciously think about a lot. And so i I thought I need to let them know right now. I lifted them up before the lord i said i don't I don't father, you know you know why you've brought them to to my mind. they're obviously on your mind, so thank you for the nudging of the Holy Spirit and found a safe place to, to pull off the road and lifted up a an ardent prayer which you know you know this i've I've shared this with you before um when I'm lifting somebody up in prayer, I like to make a cup of my hands like right like I would if I were bending down at a uh at a stream on a hot day. Um, and, and getting water, like a make a cup uh, of my hands. And I intentionally place that person, right? I I put them in there. I put them in there. I put them in that cup and I lift them up before the Lord. Um, and And I ask the Lord to, you know, to tend to them, to care for them, to reveal himself to them, to let them feel his presence with them in that moment, whatever it is that they're going through, whatever they need. And then I let them know that I prayed for them, that the Lord brought them to mind and I prayed for them. So in this case, you know, just a text message, you know, hey, this is Carmen LaBerge. I felt like I needed to say that because I was pretty sure my phone number was n- not something they'd be familiar with or would be in their phone. And um, it, again, this is not a person who is like a, a quote unquote good friend. And so it's just, just just a sister in Christ. And I said, you know, the Lord brought brought you to mind and I just wanted to know. I, I've, I'm lifting you up in prayer. I don't. I don't. I don't know, but the Lord knows. That's what I. That's what I said. To my text, and I sent it off and got back on the road, and you know, uh, along on my own way. And um, I'd like to, you know, I'd, I'd love to have a testimony that said, you know, in that moment, that that was. This, this is one of those times the person was like, oh, in that precise moment. But what happened was hours passed, hours, hours passed, and I'm like, oh, Father, now I lift them up again. Now I lift them up again. And then I realize, you know what? I need to relinquish my right to know. I need to, I need to, in this moment, I need to relinquish my right to know. My right for the other side of that to be acknowledged or answered or confirmed. I, I was obedient to respond to what I am confident was the nudging of the Holy Spirit. And I was obedient to pray. And I was obedient then to communicate that, you know, I'm, I'm aware and I'm, I'm with you. And then I needed to relinquish my right to know. And that's one of the things that over the last few days I've been reminded of. There's just so many things that we need to relinquish the right to. And some of it is to, relinqu- to relinquish the right to know. Um, we live in an information-saturated time, and we live in a a time where we have the, the expectation that we're going to know everything and we're going to know it in real time. And if somebody's keeping something from us, then, you know, it's our right to know. No, you know what? It's not, it's not our right to know. Um, well, I'm going to encourage you today to be praying for folks and to be telling them that you're praying for them. But then relinquish, relinquish the right to know how God answers, Um, just, just let folks know you're praying for him today. The other thing that God confirmed in a really significant way to me in just the last few days is his love, his father's love, not just for me, but his father's love, the love of the father for each and every human being of all time and in all places, the father's love for you and me. And the Father's blessing, the desire that the Father has in his heart to bless you. So I want to encourage you to um, consider how deep the Father's love is for you today vast beyond all measure, intimate, personal, knowing you fully. God loves you. He delights over you. He sings over you. He knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your thoughts before they're even known to you. And he has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west in the person of Jesus Christ. God Loves you. God loves you so much, He's poured forth His Holy Spirit to fill you. If you're a believer in Christ, like, um, you're richly blessed. If you're not a believer in Christ, God is yet your Father. He conceived of you before the foundations of the world. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He loves you so much. And He has expressed His love. Um, in a way that maybe you have not yet received. Because this is how God demonstrates his love for us. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in order to give you an image of that, I was, um, uh, one of the things I did during college um, to, you know, to earn money was, uh, was to babysit. And it's, you know, not necessarily operating out of all of my gifts, but there you go. Sometimes you're doing things right because they are the things that are in front of you to do and they are the opportunities that are made available. And so I'm babysitting and they have a a infant at the time, in addition to a couple of other, um, you know, little kids. And obviously the infant requires all kinds of attention that, you know, as kids get older, they can take care of things for themselves. Think of all the things an infant cannot do for themselves. And, um, and on this particular day, you know, the challenges that this little one was was uh, facing was not just a dirty diaper, right? Not just soiled sheets, but he had also vomited all over himself. <clears throat> and so you know, you don't you don't stand there and look at an infant who is in desperate need of help to come from the outside. He cannot do it for himself. Um you don't you don't look at him and say I mean, Alex, what's wrong with you? Like, grow up. You know, get yourself together. Like, no. You reach in there and you console him and you do for him what he, again, what he he can't do for himself. And you wash him clean and you change him and you change his little bed linens and, you know, all the things you do, you know. And you hold him and you comfort him and you rock him and you talk to him and you soothe him. That's the father's love for us when we were covered in the soil and the vomit of our own sin and unable to do anything about it ourselves, (laughs) He reaches in. He calls us by name. He takes us to Himself. He loves us. He cleans us. He washes us. He gives us a new outfit. He consoles us. He encourages us. I want you to receive that today. I want you to know who you are as a child of God, deeply loved by the Father, and allow him to bless you today. Let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. All right, hey, thank you to each and everyone checking in on the text line this morning. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. You can you can text me as well. Jen, Jill from Mankato has checked in this morning at eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Jim has checked in from Simsbury, Connecticut. Uh yes, grated zucchini. Mm-hmm, pretty much. Grated every you know, if you grate a zucchini, you can use it in almost anything. You can hide it in almost anything. Jessica uh from Atlanta says relinquishing the right to know truth. That is some truth right there. Mary uh, has offered um, this, her prayer list. Her notebook is long. She has uh, sensed a calling to be an intercessor. Well, amen. Um, I often wake up uh, in the night thinking of different individuals and their needs, and I pray for them. So thanks for the reminder to let people know that. Thank thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary, for letting us know that you've been praying. We count on that. Um, so thank you. And then, uh, and then, uh, yes, the rustic inn. Apparently, the rustic inn a uh, best, yeah, best place to eat. <gasps> Look at that, they have strawberry rhubarb pie. Yes, they do. They do. Mm-hmm. 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 Our colleague Jason Rakow um, taunted me with pictures of strawberry rhubarb pie the other day. He what? Email. I know. It's open taunting. I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna get with him about it later today. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, so when is a doctor a doctor, and when is a nurse a doctor, and when is a minister a doctor, and when is a minister a minister for that matter? And you say to yourself, what is Carmen talking about today? Well, a couple of different things, but across the country there's actually um, a legislative effort in a number of states. This is super fascinating to me. To make it a crime for a person who has a doctoral degree but isn't a medical doctor to use the honorific doctor. (laughs) Because apparently there's people out there who are confused when somebody calls themselves a doctor and they just make the assumption that that person is a medical doctor and then, you know, uh, take what that person says as like legal medical advice or something. Anyway, titles help us understand who we're talking with and and how to address them. So, Mr., Mrs., the Reverend, Prince, Princess, Professor, Ambassador, Excellency, Lord. What honorific um, should we be using? And what does it mean when we use the honorific minister? And what does it legally mean? And why does it matter? Daniel Bennett's going to be with us next. If you've read... uh First Peter, then, you know, we are all ministers. We are all ministers of the kingdom. We are all ministers of the gospel. If you live um, in some places around the world, you might have a minister of all kinds of things, including like a ministry of loneliness. The word minister matters. Dr. Daniel Bennett is here now to talk with us about the definition of the term minister and why it matters in the culture today. Daniel, welcome back.
1: Hey, good morning, Carmen. And I will not be giving out any medical advice, even though I do have a PhD.
0: I know. I did think I would go through all of the Dr. Daniel Bennett's who pop up if you just Google Dr. Daniel Bennett, because like there's <laughs> a cardiologist, there's a radiologist, there's a dermatologist,
1: and there's you. Well, I have a very, very narrow area of expertise, probably <laughs> the least practical out of all of them, but still, it's fine.
0: Well, we love that you visit that you visit with us on a regular basis. So thank you so much for this house call. Um, You read a piece in Reuters describing um, a recent court decision involving Liberty University and one of their former faculty members. Let's go back to 2018 and remind us who Eva Palmer is and why this individual was fired from Liberty.
1: So Eva Palmer was an art professor at Liberty uh, for about three decades she, in 2018, was informed that her contract would not be renewed. Like a lot of Christian universities, Liberty uh, doesn't have traditional tenure for faculty. They have renewing contracts, uh, and they informed her, her contract would not be renewed. And she eventually sued and alleged this was as a result of age discrimination. Um, she was 80 years old when she was fired. Now, Liberty University said there's no truth to that. This was not a re- this was not a result of age discrimination, but they also said even if it was, even if we would stipulate that this was age discrimination, Liberty would consider its faculty ministers under a legal definition, and that would give them the ability to basically hire and fire any type of employee for any reason, regardless of civil rights protections against hiring and firing for age, religion, certainly, uh, gender, and the like.
0: Okay, so from a theological viewpoint, everyone is a minister. And so regardless of your vocation and what you're doing, um, if you're doing it for the kingdom advancement, you're a minister. Obviously, when we talk about legal definitions in the United States of America, words matter. And so how did the court Come to a decision about who is and who is not a minister.
1: So it's important in this liberty case. Uh, this the the Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, they said we're actually just dismissing this case outright. We're not going to render a judgment on whether this person is or inf- is or is not a minister. Um, it was more of a technical issue uh, with that decision. But back in 2012, the U.S. Supreme Court heard a really important case out of. Uh, I believe it was I believe it was Minnesota. It was Hosanna Tabor uh, Lutheran School versus EEOC. And what that case uh, essentially found, and this was unanimous, nine zero uh liberal conservative justices all ruling together that uh, this so-called ministerial exception when it comes to churches and their related schools so if you're if you're a day school affiliated with a church in this case is lutheran school if they determine that you are a minister for the purposes of employment the government is not going to get involved and tell them no you have to keep this person employed or no you have to fire this or hire this person otherwise it's a violation of civil rights and the argument is pretty straightforward let's say you have a pastor in your church and the pastor is fired Uh, for, you know, certainly adultery or embezzlement. I mean, nobody's really going to make an argument about this. But let's say the pastor is fired for for any reason whatsoever. Let's say he was fired for really untoward reasons, like, we don't like the fact that this pastor is getting old. Now, we could debate whether that's, you know, ethical. But what the court is going to say here is the government should not be in the business of telling churches who they have to employ. And I think that's a pretty decent principle that we shouldn't be intervening and hiring and firing for religious institutions. But as we move forward, going back from 2012 with this ministerial exception, the real question is how do we broaden that and how do we understand that to apply to people who aren't just ministers and pastors on Sundays, but for people who serve a religious ser- uh, function or mission at a deliberately religious institution?
0: All right, so if you want to weigh in on this, you can uh, you can text me 877-933-2484. You know, this term minister, are you considered a minister in your place of employment? Are you a teacher at a Christian school? Um are you do you do you serve at a at a church and your denomination actually strictly defines the term minister who can and cannot use it? Um there is uh, daniel this tax um advantage to being yeah. uh, being able to be called a minister can you can you briefly touch on that?
1: yeah, I believe there's tax benefits in terms of housing allowances and other things that churches don't have to pay taxes on and certainly if you're a if you're a pastor or a minister, there are other perks associated with that and then that becomes another question of. You know, could essentially a church define everyone who works there as a minister for the purposes of you know, trying to get a preferential financial arrangement? Um, and I'm not as super familiar with with that situation, but what you have then is a continued conversation about how churches and religious bodies steward this title of minister. Whether they're going to apply it broadly just for legal reasons, or whether there's a theologically grounded reason for considering someone a minister. In, in the case of this 2012 uh, decision out of Minnesota, uh, the person who was was eventually fired and then later sued was a teacher at a uh, at, at a pre or at a uh, K five school up there. Now, you know, the school considered her a minister in the sense that she was offering religious education to students. Um, But she wouldn't be considered a minister in the same way that a pastor on Sunday would be. So I think this is an ongoing conversation that certainly lawyers and judges got to be paying attention to. But I think also just the layperson and church leaders figuring out who qualifies as a minister and really importantly, why? Why do we consider this person a minister defined in this particular way?
0: Yeah, good clarification on the text line. Yes, it is now called the clergy uh, tax exemption for housing. Um, it's, a, it's an ah. important change of language, and I bet it's because of this. I bet it is because uh, the term minister is indeed so broad and used in so many ways. So yeah, now the, now the term is clergy, and you actually have to have a particular cr- credential in order to—it's um, mm. uh, interesting, right? Yeah, that's interesting. All right, yeah. so um, w- weigh in, um, weigh in here on whether or not churches are actually politically divided—
1: <laughs> so, I love this article, uh, th- this research from, uh, I believe it was PRRI, right? P- Public Religion mm-hmm. Research Institute. Yeah, they had a really interesting study on the health of congregations survey. And the conventional wisdom is of course, churches are divided, right? We hear this in the news all the time, talking about divisions over culture and politics and other important issues. But the survey found that just as a small percentage, I believe just 13% of of Christians uh, believed their congregation was divided or sensed a division in in terms of politics or culture over the last few years. That's a lot lower than the conventional wisdom would suggest. And so that raised a lot of interesting questions of why is this number so low when in media reporting and other accounts, We hear talk of division pretty much all the time. And so that really just piqued my interest of what's really going on uh, behind the scenes here.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with your wife, this uh, social sorting, (laughs) the fact that, you know, like we already like sort ourselves out um, before we get to church. And the people who arrive at any particular church, they're pretty well already sorted.
1: So it's, it's not that there haven't been divisions in the past, it's just that we've done such, and I'm being facetious here, we've done such a good job of sorting ourselves into homogenous communities, that it's hard to see divisions anymore, <laughs> because we're all pretty much happy with where we are. And if we do sense a division, what do we do? We move up, we move along, something else. Mm. But I don't There's know, a... we didn't test those particular questions, but that, that, yeah. that is worthy of further exploration. Well,
0: it's also, I think, imperative for us to m- maybe just test: Am I so comfortable? Am I so comfortable in the church that I'm an- that I'm in um, that I'm a part of? That it's time for me to maybe be uprooted and go be planted in another, uh, you know, in another community of believers because they need what I have and I need what they have, like the cross pollination. Co- question is probably a really, really good one for us as Christians in the culture today. So, is it time for me to be uprooted and planted in the soil of another um, uh, church context, another gathered community, maybe even start one myself, um, in order that God can really grow um the church in this generation not just built not not buildings i'm not talking here about brick and mortar i'm talking right. about communi- community i'm talking about right. um you know the way we do life together as christians in the world today so maybe give that a little thought as uh, as we're taking a very very brief break here dr daniel bennett is here with us from john brown university we are checking in on things he has posted at his uh substack it is called the uneasy citizenship blog Um, We're going to ask him about camping and and how much fun he has camping. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it? We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's word says of itself, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's word for the good works that he's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing, the suffering, the challenges, the questions, God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. We're talking with Dr. Daniel Bennett from John Brown University. He's just returned from a camping trip with his family, and I need a report.
1: <laughs> so, uh, camping is something. When I say camping, you know, it's it, it's going out to a state park and getting a, a spot, uh, you know, with with electric and access to water and you know, a bathroom of some kind. We're not out in the in the rugged wilderness exactly, especially with three three kids. Um, but this is something that, that I did growing up and something that my wife did actually more than I did growing up. And so that's something that we were trying to, you know, do more of as our kids have gotten older and easier to be more flexible. So we went on a trip with some friends. uh, Remind us how, remind us how,
0: how, remind us how old your kids
1: are. (laughs) So our oldest is 11. Uh, we have a nine-year-old and then a seven soon to be eight-year-old. So these are good ages, somewhat flexible. Um, we went with Two other families. Uh, we got three spaces in close proximity to each other. Each of the families has at least three kids, so there's a lot of kids running around. Uh, they all get along pretty well. Easy access to a lake. Um, y- you know, it's July here in Northwest Arkansas, so it's warm. It's it wasn't too humid, which is nice. Um, but man, it's exhausting, as, <laughs> as, as I imagine your listeners can relate to. Maybe we're doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> it is exhausting, uh, to just, you know, have to be on the entire time to keep track of the kids, make sure they're not, you know, getting in any trouble or, or tough situations and being down at the lake for hours and watching them down there, but then they're not sleeping well. So they're a little cranky and on edge. Um, we only did it for two nights, Carmen, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think uh, I think if we're gonna do it again, uh, I, I actually don't know how how we would change it. It's one of those things where I feel like we're locked into this arrangement. Um, it's, but it's it, was, so, it was
0: it's fun but exhausting, right? I mean, that's the like yeah. yeah.
1: Well, you know, yeah. when you travel with kids, when you vacation with kids, is it really a vacation for the parents? And to some extent, I mean. Sure. Cause you're making memories. Like we're taking a quick trip to St. Louis today and tomorrow with our kids and that'll be fine, but very different than, if, than if it's just my wife, you know, and me going on mm. a, a couple, a couple of days thing. So camping is good. Uh, we can be exhausted and, and uh, dirty and it can still be fun. That's my takeaway.
0: Are you, um are you watching the chosen? I mean, maybe not right now, but like, is that something that you are doing?
1: So I was actually just talking to my mom about this because she she loves it. We just downloaded uh, the the app on her Roku so she can watch the third season of it now. And it's something that we have not yet watched. And I'm not sure why. I've, I've seen, you know, bits and pieces here and there. Um, I love what I've seen of the depiction of who Jesus is. Yeah, uh, in, absolutely. In the series, which is, I mean, historically, a lot of the movies and, and media about Jesus kind of make him seem kind of. You know, always looking upward, kind of disassociated yeah. from from the world. I love that. That doesn't seem to be the case with this. Yeah,
0: I think I definitely oh. think it, it makes Jesus real. The reason I was bringing it up is it, it will give you a new perspective on camping.
1: <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah, it probably makes us you, feel a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit more spoiled.
0: You will think to yourself, "I'm glad I'm not camping." Then and there, that that
1: is that's oh, my that was my,
0: my camping connection to the chosen.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, uh,
0: all right. So, um, you you have a sense of um, of maybe where we are in terms of religious liberty uh, here in the United States of America. We tend to talk about it as if you know the the house is on fire. But in terms yeah. of religious liberty decisions by the court, we're we're in we're in a really good place. Um, and then you also make a reference to this fairness for all conversation. Remind yeah. us. What fairness for all is and then where you think we are in terms of that conversation uh, as a culture?
1: Yeah. Well, if if you go back to 2015 uh, with the Supreme Court's Obergefell v. Hodges decision, this was the case that struck down bans on same sex marriage as unconstitutional, effectively allowing uh, same sex marriage across the country uh one of the parts of the co- what, what the conversation immediately shifted to what about the uh the folks who have religious objections to serving or participating in same-sex wedding ceremonies or services so think about the photographer the baker certainly the minister but that's a, that's a different conversation and so utah uh thinking proactively uh they enacted a series of uh laws and and, uh, exemptions for religious individuals uh, who have objections to same-sex marriage, while at the same time explicitly codifying civil rights protections for LGBT Americans. So, you know, you can't be discriminated against in Utah for the purpose of housing if you're an LGBT person, but at the same time, if you own a Christian business or a vendor of some kind, then you do not have to legally uh, participate in that kind of marketplace. So it's a compromise effort to say, we understand this is going to get kind of messy living in this pluralistic environment. We're going to try to tackle this proactively rather than let it come to us piecemeal through court decisions. Congress tried this. It did not go well. Uh, There just wasn't enough support for fairness for all at a national level. Um, there were elements of fairness for all that were eventually enacted and very few elements in the Respect for Marriage Act that was passed a couple of years ago. Um, the ERLC and National Association of Evangelicals were supportive of these, these efforts. But what I was observing in, uh, the, 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 I think, the piece that you're referencing is that in recent Supreme Court decisions, you almost get a sense that the Supreme Court is trying to achieve fairness for all through its legal decisions. So on the one hand, you had a case, Bostock v. Clayton County, Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. That, uh, bar, that, that essentially included sexual orientation and gender identity in terms of uh, civil rights protections. That was a big deal for LGBT Americans. On the same time, you have decisions which strengthen religious liberty protections for those who maybe disagree with same-sex marriage. Like in the Our Lady of Guadalupe Schools case, or even recently, even though it was a free speech case, a 303 creative uh, case from this term. So you do have evidence that this is slowly moving in that direction. And I think David French is right on this, that certainly the culture in the culture, and including in Christian communities, religious liberty is seen as under assault. Um, You know, Culturally, I'm sure there's antagonism to religious freedom and religious liberty. Legally, it's in the best space it's been in decades. If you look at the major Supreme Court cases that have come down recently, virtually all of them have been in favor of religious liberty or religious freedom defined pretty broadly. So there's reason to be concerned, of course, but there's also reason for optimism, at least under this current legal regime, that religious liberty is going to be protected for the foreseeable future.
0: There's an emerging case in uh, in Michigan that I have my eye on. I'd invite you to have your eye on it Ooh. as well, um, and it's just in relationship to who cuts your hair. So mm. <clears throat> you can you can Google it and get up to speed, and we'll talk about it in the future. But it's definitely it. uh, this is a situation definitely on the who cu- so who cuts your hair, Dr. Daniel Bennett? That will be our question next <laughs> time on Mornings with Carmen. Love it. <laughs> all right we love you man have a great time um that's dr Thanks. daniel bennett not to be confused with the dermatologist yeah. the cardiologist no. or um uh, or the radiologist uh, by the same name you're listening to mornings with carmen <sighs> take a deep breath this morning it's monday What's uh, what's God got planned for the week? Not, nah, did you hear the question? Did you hear the question? This is not, what do you have planned for the week? This is what does God have planned for the week? And do you have space? Do you have enough, what do you call that when you, there's space in your calendar? You got enough margin, <clears throat> white space on the edges. Like, is there enough margin in your life for all that God has planned? God has prepared good works in advance for you to do. That's, it's actually not Carmen. That's in the Bible. God has good works planned in advance for you to do. That means God's got divine appointments he's already set. They're not on your calendar, but you got to make space for them, or you got to make sure there is space for them. And so I want you to spend some time, uh, even just a few moments, thinking about that, thinking about creating enough space, enough breathing room, enough margin that you can— do the good that God has planned for you to do in the days in, in this day and in the days ahead. So let's, uh, let's be creating space for divine appointments and then let's pray that we not miss them. God, don't let me miss any divine appointment that you have set. Help me to see you and hear you and then respond in obedience to you that I might be transformed and the world transformed by you we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.